I'm recording. Recording. Check. Oh, we don't have an episode either. Title? Um, Glimmer 2. Something, uh... But you can have Glimmer 2. It's pretty good. All right, cool. You're listening to Ember Weekend, your can recap of all things Ember. This is episode 51. I'm Chase McCarthy. And I'm Jonathan Jackson, and we're here to keep you in the Ember Run Loop. We're broadcasting from Hashrocket HQ, and today's episode is called You Can Have Glimmer 2. And that's like a two, like as well. I can have Glimmer 2? You can has Glimmer. Oh man, that would have been much better. Wait, is that is that still like a, a thing? Like, do people still go to the website? Uh, I can't has cheeseburger. I hope not. So we actually just got finished watching Carol Galinchek uh, or Asdoroth on GitHub. Uh, we actually just watched him present at uh, the Global Ember Meetup this thing called Ember Data Partial Model. Isn't Asdoroth an awesome name? Just as an aside, I think it, it, it's reminding me of World of Warcraft for some reason. Anyways, yeah. okay, Ember Data Partial Model, man. Come on, come on, dude. Back, back on track, Ember Data. Ember Data Partial Model. Um, this was, uh, it was a pretty cool uh, little add-on. Um, I know I've been bit by um, the idea of having, like, you know, partial data that loads sometimes on models, um, specifically with users, which is the um, example that's in the, uh, the readme for this, this add-on, where you might have um, some user data, like profile information, that doesn't get loaded on initial request. And so when you uh, navigate to show that user, unaware to you, you can go to render, like, say, the bio, and then nothing renders because that wasn't fetched with the, the call for that user. Um, and there's nothing internal in Ember data that would say, oh, I'm missing this piece. Maybe I should go fetch it. So you oftentimes you know, just have to know when you go to a page what parts of that you know, user or model renders. Um, so this, uh, this add-on solves this by having uh, the concept of like a partial. So in your model, how you have adder, you would have something called partial, which itself takes a complex object. Um, and anytime you request, whether it's the top level thing, whatever you called it, say it was profile, or in, in his example, he gives extended, that complex piece of the partial data, when you ask for that, you get back a promise, and it will resolve whenever the, the fetch is completed, uh, which means you can go to a page and you can just render anything out of there and it will initially, you know, show blank, but then it will resolve and re-render uh, with the content. Yeah, and I thought this was especially cool because, uh, one, I mean, I've run into this scenario, this exact scenario before. Um, I've also run into the scenario where I have uh, one user object that is represented in two different ways, like uh, a parent and, um, it was like a parent and an athlete or something like that. And they're both users in the system, but they're represented in slightly different ways. And it'd be nice to be able to say, okay, well, go and fetch the additional information that's not shared between these two uh, different types of objects in our system. Uh, and then depending on your role in the back end, the back end will return the correct information. That alone would be really cool. But his example around, you know, fetching a user's index and then getting all of the information that you want. And then uh, whenever you uh, go and need more in, more information, so you need, uh, in, the, in the example he gives in the readme, if you need the, the avatar for Twitter, at the time of request, of, or the time of you getting Twitter, then it's going to actually return that promise that Chase was talking about. Uh, so... Uh, it's any any of the attributes that are inside of the partial uh, or the partial itself. So in the example here, he says extended is a partial. Uh, and if you say get extended, it'll go and do the thing and resolve a promise. Um, but if you do get Twitter, it'll it'll um, trigger the same response. Yeah, so uh, check it out. It's a, a relatively new add-on, but um, it seems like it you know provides a, you know a lot for um, this you know this type of problem that I'm sure many people have run into. 
yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing this. Uh, I, I know that I know that it's going to come up again, and I'll be like, oh yeah, this is exactly what I needed. So I'm really excited about it as well. So speaking of Global Ember Meetup, uh, Ryan Tablada gave a presentation on a new add-on that he created called uh, Ember with Service. Although his presentation was more about kind of the evolution of like why he would need something like this. Uh, and it was mainly about uh, making sure that you're doing data down actions up. Uh, and it was a really great presentation where he kind of went through each of the phases, which I, I really appreciate. And in the end, you end up using this add-on, which is really cool, uh, which basically allows you to inject a service to a template. The implications of this are pretty uh, far-reaching. Um, you can do a lot of really cool things with this. Um, we're finding out now, I think, speci specifically after things like Ember Composable, Composable Helpers and the Truth Helpers, that you can do a lot uh, inside of your template with these template helpers. So being able to, in the, the example in the readme, which uh, is pretty, pretty tiny, but very descriptive, is uh, you know, with service uh, as session. And then you can say, uh, then, then internal to that block uh, in the template, you have access to the session. And you can say session is authenticated or whatever and do complicated stuff with a service, uh, assuming that it's like, I feel like I'd, I'd be worried about uh, overusing this and maybe like <laughs> doing some very creative things about manipulating that service so that I don't ever have to really touch a controller, which would be kind of interesting. Uh, but it, it's really cool. It's the power there of being able to make those things accessible and, uh, and use that sort of thing is very, very cool. Yeah, I feel like um, if it if it keeps me from having to create the component or controller, um, maybe it's worth it. I mean, because and that's only because the command to go install this add-on is so you know obviously so fast because Ember CLI and you know, it's really easy to type it in and be done with it and then start using it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I would be hesitant to use this, uh, especially if you needed a few different services. Um, as far as I know, you you would have to nest the with services. Potentially, you could make one that was like with service, you know, and have take multiple arguments and then yield multiple arguments. But, you know, at that point, you're like, uh, you're getting yourself into a rat's nest. But it, yeah, uh, it could be cool. I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like this <laughs> would be really useful for like, I'm just trying to figure out whether, you know, the, the service is the, you know, that's the thing I need. And I want to just, you know, really quickly move on. Maybe I'll, I'll create a component later. But for right now, I just want to like, you know, finish working in the template for prototyping. Sure. Um, you know, so it's, it's kind of helps you not to have to break context. Um, so that might be worth it. Yeah, and I, I will say though, I'm I'm really tempted uh, to use this in 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 Congress with uh, something like the uh, Ember route, routable actions and things. Yes, the routable actions, so that you can do actions and route them to the to the route. And that way, if you use this in combination with to to mutate the context, so that you have uh, various services available, and that actions to or the the routable actions to allow you to. Uh, specify your actions in the route, you can just omit the controller, assuming you don't need query parameters. Uh, and that would be kind of fun. Uh, this has to, this goes back to something that uh, Lauren mentioned, uh, Lauren Tan mentioned at a conference we were at recently, Elixir Days. Uh, she said that she kind of, as a joke, tried to uh, make a to-do app without using, with, with only using the template helpers and stuff. So you could totally do that. You could like, you could do all of those things and you know, with this, you you wouldn't even need to inject the service into the current context, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, you, you still have to write the service, though. You still so, have to write the service. That's true. Hey, can I write a service in a template? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> I think you're, uh, yeah, you know what? Bad idea number 563. <laughs> uh, but no, this is a really cool add-on. I definitely encourage you to check it out. And and, uh, and the presentation is going to be coming out. Uh, we're probably going to post all these uh, from the Global Ember Meetup. Um, it, it was a really great presentation. Um, be sure to check it out. There's a lot more detail and um, a lot more rationale that I'm kind of omitting because I just want to talk about how 
we can do potentially bad things inside of uh, templates now. Like, But it's it's super cool, so definitely check it out if you get a second. So a couple of weeks ago, Frank Tracy released in uh, an article on Ember Igniter about mocking out a JSON API backend with uh, Mirage. And uh, obviously, uh, if you've listened to the show for a little while, uh, Mirage is something that we, we both really, really like. Uh, it's a great way to get up and running very, very, very quickly. Um, but one of the things that had been a problem is uh, in the transition over to kind of like saying, hey, we're going to start using JSON API on our backend and Ember uh, data pushing JSON API as its uh, reference, its internal reference, JSON API has been kind of a source of consternation, uh, mainly because of how verbose it is. There's a lot of things that you have to do. And uh, the beta series for Ember CLI Mirage, um, it has a lot of new features. Uh, it's much more robust around giving you an ORM, basically, so uh, an object relational mapper, basically a way for you to kind of give more structure to your database, uh, including a schema and some other things. It's really, really cool. Uh, and uh, this in this article, um, Frank takes us through uh, uh, like how you would do it, uh, how you would implement a JSON API uh, with Mirage with like very minimal boilerplate. Um, so before you'd have to manage a lot of stuff yourself and that's kind of painful. It can be very painful, um, especially when you start dealing with like relationships and, um, and making sure things are in the included block or included, included property. And it, it just gets kind of messy. And Sam and his team, Sam Selikoff, uh, who is the author of Mirage and uh, um, a few contributors have been really pushing to make that simpler, that story simpler. Um, so they have a lot of shorthands and they have a lot of generators now that allow you to specify like models. So you can say uh, Ember generates Mirage model and Mirage serializer. And a serializer is how you display. So you can mutate things there and make changes, if you will. And then the model helps you organize it so that you can put things in and out uh, more easily. So it's super cool. And in this article, it's it's a top-down kind of how you would implement it if you were to start from scratch, uh, which I thought was really cool. Uh, and after I, uh, after I read that and decided that we were going to cover this in the episode, I reached out to Sam to see if I couldn't... Um, you know, get a kind of bead on what's going on in uh, in the Mirage space because it's uh, it's in a, it's in late beta, so you know it's really approaching rapidly uh, approaching stability. And uh, he wanted me to mention that there's one blocking issue that he that was basically a discussion that needed to be resolved, which was most which was very recently resolved, and now it just needs to be implemented. So that's the only thing that's blocking. But there are several milestone issues that if you're looking to contribute, it might be good to go and look for the milestone on the Mirage repo that's listed as 020. And if you want to help out there or get your or, or put some feedback in, that would be really cool. But yeah, the, the serialized issue is the only thing. And I think I think he already knows what's going on there. So that issue is uh, non-blocking. So we should be approaching sta- stability very quickly. I'm really excited about it. Check out this article. It was, it was really well done. It's a little old. It's like two weeks old, which is a little bit later than we normally um, try to feature things in. But I think it's really worth your time. So uh, late Friday, uh, Godfrey Chan posted a uh, issue on Ember that's uh, issue number 13127, uh, and it's a, uh, it's a guide to updating all of the HTML bars tests to work with both Glimmer 2 and HTML bars kind of in this transition period, uh, so they make sure that they're not breaking any of the uh, you know older Ember stuff and then all of the new Glimmer stuff is working. Um, and so there's like this big checklist in this, uh, in this issue of things that need to be done and they're all relatively simple and isolated. Uh, so basically, he outlines basically for each one of them 
exactly what needs to happen so that you know even like relatively new people to uh, committing to to Ember can jump in there and you know try it out. Um, and it was really easy. I went through and uh, and checked out one of these. There's a couple things you have to remember. One of them is that the um, they're doing some sim linking in order to get the test the same test to execute both in HTML bars uh, and in Glimmer. In the Ember repo, everything is nested inside of packages. So you're gonna the two main places you're looking are packages Ember HTML bars and packages uh, Ember Glimmer. And there are you know various things in there that need to be transferred over, and you can look at the the issue to see which ones exactly. Um, but basically, they just symlink the tests from Glimmer uh, into the same place in HTML bar so that they execute under both. Um, but they do go in a different spot. They go in like packages, Ember HTML bars, uh, tests, and then integration. So it's not actually in the same folders before. You won't find the right modules for test helpers and things to import if you don't do that. The other thing is that there is a uh, kind of a process that they have around how to make sure that every every kind of case is being handled. Um, and they call this INUR, which is uh, initial render, no-op re-render, updates via mutation, and reset via replacement. And so you just have to make sure that the tests of the thing that you're converting over uh, also cover all these cases, because some of the older components uh, didn't cover every possible uh, one of these. And they're really trying to make sure that Glimmer 2 is really well tested. So I know you've uh, you've gone into the weeds on this one and actually implemented one, but I'm really excited just to see this issue. Like it's it's really long, uh, but it's so detailed. So if you're looking to get involved in in Ember and try to get a commit, this is a really great opportunity because um, it's it's stuff that that's necessary and it's stuff that's really well explained, and, and they just need they need people um, you know to help out. Uh, so I think that this is definitely worth your time if you're at all interested in in getting some commits on. Uh, there's a lot of really cool stuff going on, and you'll learn a lot about ES6. Uh, for instance, the way that tests are, are specified is uh, is all new, and you uh, it uses uh, ES6 classes. And uh, I want to say there's a constructor thing that you were doing, right, Chase? Yeah, there's a so one of the things that they did, and in, in, you know, while doing this, is that they wanted the test to work both with HTML bars and with Glimmer. But um, you know, kind of when you're when you're testing this rendering engine, there are uh, things that are very kind of like close to the metal. And so some of the tests were very closely tied to the fact they're HTML bars. So they created this kind of abstracted version of a test that works with both. Um, but one of the things I did was it really cleaned up the tests. Um, and you get basically like a unification between the two of like, you know, what you're trying to do is say, here's a template. When I render the template, here's the output. And the um, setup and teardown hooks became constructor and teardown um, because you actually create a kind of like a class that extends a certain base class, and that's the thing that you're passing into in passing into the module for um, to run the test. Um, and it made it really nice because that meant that you could you could attach uh, kind of temporary things that normally would have been like become like kind of not globals, but at least outside of the you know uh, the module you're working in in the same file. Um, you could actually attach those to the class you know as properties, and then read them later in the teardown to like to destruct things and stuff like that. Yeah, that was a really cool insight. And I think there's a couple of different classes that they've implemented that have different functionality for the the different things. Uh, that's mentioned in the issue. Uh, and extending this way allows you to kind of tap into to some of the abstractions that they already know that they need and already have implemented. Uh, so it's pretty cool. It's a really cool use case of uh, using ES6 classes. And uh, I thought it was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of them when you look through here that uh, show um, ex clear examples of how to how to implement these, how to how to map them over, um, and when you look at them, the 
the difference in the tests are it's very clear what's going on in the, in the newer tests because there's a lot of kind of boilerplate that's being taken care of. So I, re I really like this this style of testing too. Yeah, very cool. So check it out. It's issue uh, 13127. Uh, we'll link to it for sure. Yeah, get involved. It's going to be fun. And the, the very last thing we want to mention, just in passing, I think today, if I do my math right, which I may not have done, um, today may be the last day to do the Ember Community Survey. Uh, so if you haven't already filled out the Ember Survey, Ember Community Survey, please do that. Uh, it takes like 10 minutes. The uh, the rewards are, is just better community participation, and we get to see a lot of really cool information that I'm really excited about. So uh, yeah, definitely check out the Ember Community Survey. Thanks for listening to Ember Weekend. If you'd like to follow along, visit us at emberweekend.com. Or you can find us at Ember Weekend, all one word, on Twitter, or subscribe via RSS. I'm Chase McCarthy. And I'm Jonathan Jackson. And we'll see you next weekend.